Hey everybody, thank you for joining me today. Aetherian New Hope Radio, also the Hope Club Podcast. So good to be here during the week to help maybe break up your routine or give you a little biblical insight and spiritual uplift, I hope, to your week. Always thankful for those that, that do listen, take the time out and spend some time receiving God's Word. So important, isn't it? Man, we need the Word of God. I don't care what anybody says. We need the Word of God. It's fuel for the soul. If there are three things every Christian needs to know, and not only know, but you know what? Be convinced of. That's the key. And maybe that means to really, really believe. And here they are. Number one, we need to really be convinced of the assurance of our salvation. That's vital. Number two, we need to be convinced of the love of God. Yeah, the fact that He does love us. And then number three, the danger of false teachings. Aren't they important? I think so. The surety, of, uh, the surety of your salvation, the love of God, the danger of false teachings. And they're especially important when Satan tries to fill your head with doubt. Because that's his number one weapon, isn't it? Doubt. Get you to doubt. So we're going to begin a new series today. Four-part series. We're going to take a look at the Apostle John's first epistle. You know, it's a small epistle, but it's packed with a lot of truth. And, you know, as God's people, what we need to do is learn his word. I mean, that's important. Writing about the letter called First John, there's a man named Sir William Ramsley, or Ramsey, and he said, They spring from the heart of the writer and speak directly to the heart of the reader. That's First John. From John's heart into our hearts. That's what this epistle is about. And if you believe that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then John's first epistle is God's message to you and to me, to all of us. It's a message of truth, and it's not a message that should be ignored. Okay? That's for sure. You don't want to ignore this message. So in our first meeting together, I want to take a look at some of the background to the letter. And this will help to keep everything in context. Because to best understand the Bible, it's always good to know, number one, who it was written to. Secondly, why it was written. And then thirdly, what were the circumstances of the day? And if we understand those three things, we won't take scriptures out of context and make misapplications. Okay, so let's begin. The circumstances of the day. Okay, we're back in the first century. John gave a series of warnings regarding the day in which they were living. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> these warnings are not obsolete today. Isn't it interesting about God's Word? Written 2,000 years ago, but man, is it relevant today? It's timeless. 
Some people say, oh, you know, the Bible needs to be updated. It's obsolete. No. God's word is timeless. So here's an kind of like an overview of the warnings that John gave in this epistles. First John 4, verse 1. Beloved, speaking to Christians, right? Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And this is why. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay? So don't believe everything that comes down the pike. Check it out. Then he said in 1 John 2.26, These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Ain't that a kicker? There are people that are intentionally trying to trip up Christians, deceive Christ followers. I'm like, why do they want to do that? They're out to deceive. So that's why John says, I'm warning you. Then again, he said in 1 John 5, 21, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Yeah. What's that? A misapplied affection. Make sure your your affection doesn't go in the wrong direction. Okay? Affection goes toward God. And if you go, if you get distracted and derailed, you're going to find yourself loving the wrong things. That's part of John's warning. He said in 1 John 2.21, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So John is saying, you as believers, right? You believe the word of God. You're a follower of Christ. I want you to know something. No lie is of the truth. You can't mix the two. So if you know the truth, stay with it. Okay? Don't sway. Don't vacillate from the truth. People can do that. You know why? Because of sentimentality. Oh, we can be sentimental. And sentimentality causes people to sway from the truth. Let me give you an example. And I know it's a difficult thing in life. Homosexuality. We know what the Bible says about homosexuality. It's not the way of God. And it leads to disastrous results. But sometimes a Christian, a Christ follower, you love God, you have a family member that's a homosexual. They're engaged in homosexual activities. And what happens is they can sway from the truth and become sentimental. And because of love, condone the lifestyle. Let me tell you something. If we contradict truth, that's not love. Love doesn't contradict truth. Love presents the truth. So that's an example. And I know it's tough. Oh, it's very difficult. Somebody that you love is going down a road that God doesn't approve of. And sentimentality says, oh, it's all right. So we have to be careful. Don't sway from the truth. You're not helping anybody, and you're not doing anyone a favor by being sentimental and leading people astray, if you believe the word of God. John said in 1 John 4, 4, you are from God, little children. And you've overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. See, 
Christ made us an overcomer, live in it. Live in the fact that you have overcome the world and the things of the world. Oh, and the philosophy of the world. Okay. Here's another warning. First John 5.13. Man, this letter <laughs> is full of warnings. John said, These things I have written to you who believe. You believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, don't let Satan doubt your eternal salvation. John says, I want you to know that you have eternal life. That means it's a certainty. It's a permanent condition. And there are those that might try to tell you, well, you know what? It's not permanent. It depends on you. Here's the great thing about salvation. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're not holding on to God. God is holding on to us. So our salvation is secure. And John says, listen, I want you to know that. I want you to go through life knowing that you're safe with God. And yes, you might have a bad season, and you're not going to do everything right, but you are still safe with God. Okay? And First John 1, 4, he said... See, God gives many, John gives many reasons for why he wrote what he wrote. He said, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. What's the joy of John? That he sees his children walking in the truth. When you walk in the truth, you know what you are? Free. The truth will make you free. Okay, so those are some of the warnings that were found in this first epistle. There are some themes in this epistle, some topics of discussion. Okay, there's a theological theme, and that is where the divine and the human meet together in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, as Christians, we understand, yes. We know that. But let's go back to the first century. There was a group of people called the Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. And they believed God could not have a material body. So this led to a rejection of Christ as God. That if this man came on the scene named Jesus Christ, and he had a material body, and he claimed to be God? That That's not true. That's what the Gnostics said. Because they believed all materialism, anything that's material, contains sin. And if God had a body, that would make him sin, so they rejected Christ as God. So that was one of the major themes of the epistle. There's also an ethical theme in the epistle. That regeneration results in a changed life through the work and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me on that one? Do you believe that? I think many of you do because your life has changed. Sadly, there are those that name the name of Christ and they never change. (laughs) Are they saved? I don't know. But the ethical theme, regeneration results in a changed life because of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Now, here's the problem. 
the intellectuals of that day, who were the Gnostics, they failed to live a life conducive to the faith. To them, it was all about knowledge. So, they didn't have life change. Life went on as usual for them. Because it was all about knowledge. That was the basis of their faith, just information, without it tapping into lifestyle. Okay? So there's a couple of important things to know as we read First John. Who's the guy that wrote this letter? John the Apostle. Let's take a look at some of the characteristics of John. John has been referred to as the Apostle of Love. Remember, he's the guy that when Jesus hung on the cross, John and his mother were at the cross. I think John was the only disciple. Everybody else left. And Jesus said to John, John, behold your mother. And he looked at Mary. And he said to Mary, mother, behold your son. And we believe that from that day on, John took Jesus' mother, Mary, into his home, and he took care of her until she died. And perhaps John was more like Jesus than any of the other disciples. So in this epistle, seven times he uses the phrase, little children. John was, John was very endearing, wasn't he? To say, beloved, and he's talking to adults, but little children. He saw them as his children, he being their spiritual father. John is called the most passionate book of the New Testament, the Epistle of John. And truth is equally important to him. See, when John wrote, there's no shading of issues. For instance, he talked about light and darkness, life and death, love and hate. Truth and falsehood. God and the devil. (laughs) The Father and the world. He's very, let me say, direct in his writings. Okay? So, he, he wasn't, again, sentimental. Love is direct. Love doesn't beat around the bush. Love doesn't pussyfoot around truth. Okay, so John, being the apostle of love, he was still direct. It wasn't about hurting someone's feelings because truth does hurt if we don't want it. Love gives the truth. You know why? That's what love does. Love isn't sentimental. Sentimentality can lead people astray. But the truth brings the benefit to someone's life. The truth is, don't swallow that razor blade. You'll cut yourself. (laughs) You'll cut your throat. That's truth. Sentimentality is, well, if you're going to swallow the razor blade, put some jelly on it. That's sentimentality. Truth is, don't do that. It'll kill you. That's truth. And John loved people so much, he gave them the truth. And when we really love people, we give them the truth. And I'm going to tell you something. Truth 
contradicts the world. You better get used to it. It's always been that way, and it is that way more than ever today. And we have an uprising today and a change in our culture. And truth is going to become more offensive to people. But it doesn't change the fact that it's not truth. Okay? As followers of Christ, you have to stick with the truth. Why did John write this letter? The intention was to warn Christians of the dangers without and also the dangers within. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, right? And I know the devil heard him. And he's like, oh, yeah? You're going to build your church, huh? Well, I'm going to be around and I'm going to make that work really difficult. I'm going to steal bricks. I'm going to pollute the cement. And that's what Satan does. John said, listen, he talked about the spirit of error in 1 John 4, 6. He said, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Boom, there it is. Those that have the spirit of truth want what God says. Those that are in the spirit of error, they're like, no, man, I don't care what God says. I don't believe what God says. I'm going to do something else. That's the spirit of error. John warned about that. He talked about false prophets in 1 John 2.18. Children, there it is again, little children, very endearing to them. It is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. Now, if it was the last hour 2,000 years ago, what do you think it is today? And the spirit of Antichrist has always been in the world, and pretty soon the person of Antichrist is going to be revealed. What do you think? In this lifetime? I don't know. Maybe. We don't know. But the way things are going wouldn't surprise me. So watch out for the spirit that is anti-Christ. Oh, it's all around us, isn't it? If you look at America today, it's in our government. It's in our school system. It's in our entertainment. It's in our culture. The spirit of Antichrist is changing the nation. And if we're going to be the salts of the earth, man, we got to stand strong in our faith. John also warned, oh man, you, you won't believe this one. False prophets from within the church. Huh. Not only is there an attack from outside the church, inside the church, there's a cancer. He said, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. False prophets. There's that dirty devil. What's he saying? I'm going to steal bricks and I'm going to pollute the cement. I will do everything I can to stop Christ from building his church. You think we need to be awake? You think we need to be alert concerning our faith? 
So this little epistle was written to arm the church against the spreading influence of some forms of Gnosticism. Okay? And again, Gnosticism is the word Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, and it means knowledge. And what do they do? They stressed salvation through knowledge. It was all about information. Opposition between spiritual works and the material world. Spiritual is good, material is evil, and what they said was you can't combine the two. It's either one or the other. So what they're saying is the true God would not enter the world. That means there's no incarnation. That means what John wrote in his gospel, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, they would argue against that. They would say, his only begotten son? No way! That makes him a material being. And all material beings have sinned, so there's no Jesus. Oh, wait! If there's no Jesus, there's no Savior. So how do you get saved? They would say, through knowledge, through the accumulation of information. But wait a minute. Didn't James say, hey, the demons believe. They have a lot of knowledge. They saw Jesus in heaven. And they're not saved. So be that's why we have to be so careful on what we hear. John started off right out of the chute in 1 John 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He's complimenting what he said in his gospel. The word became flesh. Don't let the intellectuals sway you from that. The word became flesh. We witnessed him. We watched him. We talked with him. Where did this Gnosticism come from? It appeared on the scene way, way back, early in the second century. And it caused a big problem in the early church. And many of the early church fathers wrote volumes against it. And by the way, the Gnostics, see, here's the kicker. They claimed to be Christians. They did. But see, they lived carnal lives. They weren't the salt of the earth. They lived carnal lives because what they said was there was no hope for the material. So they placed an emphasis on the immaterial or on teaching. Oh, what a convenient way to live. I can do whatever I want with my body as long as with my head I worship God. How convenient. Their gospel was saved through knowledge, not through faith in Christ. So the the first epistle of John, I want you to picture a spiral staircase because it spirals in thought, okay? It doesn't go from point to point in a straight line. It goes round and round like a spiral staircase, revisiting itself, always revolving around the same center, always coming back to the same topics, but at a higher level. Though he revisits the same themes, he brings the reader higher and higher and higher. 
So I want you to think that you're really getting grounded in the faith when you read First John. It talks about Antichrist, eternal life. Then he works his way up to brotherly love. Then testing the spirits. Then eternal life. Oh, it goes on and on. Okay, so it's a good letter to read. It's a short letter. It's only five chapters. And it would do us well to read it and think on it and meditate on it. Okay, because see, John's writing consists of some very important and practical aspects of the Christian life. It talks about doing righteousness. See, faith must be lived out. Faith is not a head trip. It's something that we live out. It talks about loving one another. That's the staple of the church. It's what holds us together, love. It talks about believing that Jesus is the Christ and he's come in the flesh. So try to stay with me for the next few days as we learn these things together. Because the day in which these were written they're not much different from the day that we're living in today. Times change, but you know what? They don't change very much. People are, will always be people, but thankfully, God will always be God. Sometimes we think the Bible is too technical, but if you approach it with an open heart and you pray before you read it, say, Lord, open my heart. Teach me some things. Remember, it's letters. Letters are not meant to be complicated. They're meant to be understood. First John is a letter, and you can understand it if you desire to and if you approach it in the proper way. And you can catch these messages later on at the Hope Club podcast. And you can support us as well. Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar. All the information is there. But the Hope Club podcast, go back and revisit. These are great Bible studies, and you can share them with others in your own groups. Think about that. What we want to do is grow in the knowledge of Christ through His Word. So thank you for coming along, and we'll see you next time as we continue with 1 John.